Welcome to True Crime on Easy Street. My name is Katie Givens, and I am not a lawyer. And I'm Kelly Turner, and I'm not a doctor. I am Scott Wright, and I am at best a mediocre journalist. <laughs> and we welcome you back here to True Crime on Easy Street. We are live here on Easy Street. We don't There's have a bar a, and yes. a restaurant. And a performance hall. Yep. <laughs> exactly. You were going to get there. And a podcast. Eventually. And a podcast. And a podcast. And we have a special guest tonight. Stacey Smith is here, and she's going to... Uh, help us tell this story. Stacy. tell us why you're here. Well, I'm a layabout retired law enforcement officer. I worked on the water. I checked life jackets and live wells, so this should make me very You are overqualified to, <laughs> to participate in You are the event. most qualified of this panel. Welcome. Yeah. Thank All you. Right. So, guys, what we're going to do, we're going to go back and talk about a story that happened in July of 1999. But before we do that, I just, I, you know how I, I like to do history and tell people and kind of put them, uh, set the table for what we're doing or for where we were when this thing happened. So set it. In 1999, and I, I'm, I'm a big movie fan. I like uh, TV shows and, and those kinds of things. So let me tell you what some of the biggest movies were in 1999. Uh, does everybody remember American Beauty? Yes. yes. Very creepy. Uh, no. Very creepy. Amer- <laughs> <laughs> Katie, as, as usual, No. <laughs> Uh, Katie, were you alive? Oh, yes. I, 1999, I started kindergarten. Okay. Oh, well, That's she, why she didn't see it. It was rated R. probably didn't let her watch The Sixth Sense either. And if you <gasps> oh, haven't have seen, seen that seen movie, it, it, it's been 20 years. He was dead the whole time. She was so the whole time. He was dead the whole time. Sorry about that. just ruined that. Yeah. Sorry. So if you haven't seen it by now, it's your fault, not mine. Uh, the second Austin Powers movie, the second Toy Story movie were both big movies in 1999. And my favorite from that year except for The Matrix, Fight Club, and what's the number one rule about Fight Club? We don't, we don't talk, talk about, about it. Fight Club. And what's number two? We do not we do talk not about it. talk about Fight Club. So having said that, let's move on. So in July of 1999, uh, a 44-year-old day trader uh, walked into the place where he was a client in uh, Buckhead in Atlanta, a suburb of Atlanta, if you're not familiar, familiar with the area. And after a few pleasantries exchanged with the receptionist and one of the other folks who worked there, he pulled out a couple of guns, a 45 caliber uh, Colt and a 9mm Glock automatic and started shooting people. And before anybody could get a hold of him or, or figure out where he was, he had killed nine people and wounded 13 more in Buckhead. It was a big deal if you were in the area at the time because it was, it was on the news. There were helicopters chasing this guy. When they finally figured out what was going on, uh, they cornered him at a gas station in a suburb of Atlanta, several miles away from where the shootings took place. And before the, cop- the cops could get him out of the car, uh, he committed suicide. So there were ultimately, uh, I guess, 10 people who died that day. But there were some other people who died in the days before because the day before he had murdered both of his children and the day before that he had murdered his second wife. What happened was... Apparently, it seems to me anyway, and I'm, I'm curious to know what you guys think about this. It seems like he had a plan where he, he realized that he was going to go into the place where he day traded uh, and spent thousands of dollars a day in the hopes of making a few hundred. And that's just the way day trading worked back in the 90s when before the dot-com bubble happened. Uh, he realized that he was going to take out his anguish on these two places. And, and I feel like he just didn't want his family to know what a terrible person he was. And so the only solution he could come up with for the way to make sure they never knew about it 
was to kill them first. And I'm not saying it's a rational thought, but I'm saying that's the thought that Mark Oris Burton had in mid-July of 1999. So he kills his wife uh, with a hammer and puts her in a closet on a Wednesday night. And the next day, I guess he just goes to sleep that night and has a, has a good night's sleep. And the next day, he kills his two children, his son who is 12 and his daughter who is 8 or 9, depending on which uh, synopsis you read. And then the next day, again, another good night's sleep, goes to these two securities firms in Buckhead and in, in office buildings adjacent to each other across Peachtree Drive or Peachtree Boulevard. Everything in Atlanta has Peachtree in the name if it's a street, so it's, I always get confused. But he left a note with the wife and the children that sort of explains where he was mentally or psychologically when he decided to commit these crimes. And it's, it's not very long. It's a few paragraphs. He kind of explains that uh, he wanted to get back at the people who had ruined him financially. Uh, he didn't want his... The main reasons for his demise right. were the words he used. The main reasons for his demise. And... and We'll find out that some of the people that he specifically, it seems, took shots at in that office building or those two office buildings were people who had loaned him money to continue his day trading activities. And day trading is a complicated thing where you you have to have so much money in your account. It's sort of like gambling, except you have to have your own money in place to do it with. And they let you go into these places back in the in the late 90s and borrow their computer systems because the Internet wasn't as widespread and easy to access as it is today. So they could go there and gamble with their own money, and you try to buy a stock for $100 and hopefully sell it at the end of the day for $102. And if you bought enough, then that $2 a share added up and you made some money. But a lot of times, like anything else, and especially with gambling, it didn't work out that well. And this guy was in the hole. The numbers vary, $100,000, $300,000. He wasn't doing very well. That's the speculation of one reason why he did it. But this guy had problems all the way through his life, which Kelly's going to talk about later, even though she threw her laptop away before the show started tonight. But I feel like she did that just because she's got it memorized, and she'll be fine when the mic is hot in her face. That didn't sound right, but we'll skip over that. Just the tip. Whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> if you were listening for last week's episode, you know about what's uh, just the tip. Anyway, so um, he committed these crimes. Uh, walked, he shot four people in the first office building. He walked across the street and shot five more people, killed four people in the first office building, killed five more in the second office building, wounded a dozen more, right. yes. jumped into his uh, dark green minivan and hopped onto the interstate. There were three police helicopters, three po Atlanta police helicopters looking for him at one point during the day. Several hours later, they find him, uh, a local police officer who has the bolo, or at the be on the lookout, Right, Stacy. Yes. Uh, they, <laughs> thank you. Uh, he <clears throat> he has. They find him a few miles away in Ackworth. I think it was. It doesn't matter. It was a gas station. He pulled it was in. Ackworth. Yeah. And the cops surround him and say, "Hey, get out of the car!" And before, instead of doing that, he just pulls out the same pistol that he'd used to shoot all of those people, and he shoots himself. End of the story. And that's when they get to the uh, to his apartment and find his dead wife and his dead children. And they find the notes that explain, in some sense, arguably, whether or not, I mean, this person is psychotic, so how good of an explanation can you possibly provide uh, for what you've done to all of these people? But that was where they started to try to piece together the history of what happened to this guy and why he chose to commit this horrible mass shooting spree 
uh, in a city that had already had a couple of other mass shootings in the same year. Uh, just a couple of weeks before, there had been a domestic dispute in another suburb of Atlanta, and six people had been killed. A couple of weeks before that, uh, and th these didn't all make the national news back then because with the exception of Columbine, which happened in April of 1999, it wasn't really national news yet. It seems to me like my whole life it's been a situation where mass shootings happen with some regularity. But it seems like from the news accounts that I've read and the AP stories and some of the other things that I've read and doing research for the last couple of days, it seems like that was still a surprise to a lot of people back then. And maybe I, we're just all so calloused by it now that it doesn't seem so absurd. But that back then it seemed like it did. But there were still mass shootings going on even then. And, but it had gotten to the point where uh, folks in Atlanta were, were frightened by this. And that's why there were helicopters out. And, and they spent a lot of time that afternoon with FBI teams and, and SWAT teams going door to door office to office in those buildings trying to find this guy because they didn't know if he was still running around with, uh, with a lot more ammunition and a lot more guns and a bulletproof vest. It turns out he had 200 rounds of ammunition that day and shot only 39 of them. But nobody knew at the time. So it was a frightening thing in Atlanta that day. And I remember vaguely some of the news coverage on television. At least I think I do. Maybe I've seen it on the internet somewhere since and I just think that it's what I think it is, but I remember it being a frightening time, and, and a lot of people didn't know what was going to happen that day, and it turns out he, he did the job of law enforcement himself and saved everybody a bunch of time and years of judicial proceedings, and, and he knew he was going to die that day. Right. I think it's important to go back to that note, because in the note, he does say that he doesn't plan to live very much longer, just long enough to kill as many people that greedily sought his destruction. Right. And he states the reason he killed his wife was because she was one of the main reasons for her demise, for his demise. Without going into details, so you don't know if that means he, she just decided she didn't love him anymore. Or they, there, there'd been some marital problems where she'd moved out, yeah. and they'd reconciled and moved back in together over the course of the last couple of years. And I read one interview with 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 Leanne Leanne Bar uh, Barton's sister after the murder happened. It was an AP story, and she said, I, "I've seen this coming for two years." So she knew what kind of person, at least in her mind. And you would think that a sister of a woman who's in a troubled marriage would be more connected to so bad news than Leanne's anyone. Leanne's sister, I, I never read anything. I so. read it uh, an hour ago. I was just going through some things. This is on murderpedia.org mm. okay. that I found. And it, there was one sequence where they, they're interviewing the sister, and she said, I'm not surprised. I've seen this coming for a couple of years. When so. He also says that he killed the children because he thought, Five minutes of pain would be better for them than a lifetime of pain because this world was just so painful. Because how could they possibly live without him? Because he knew he was going to die, mm -hmm. and he knew their mother was dead, yep. and he didn't want them to live with their uh, maternal grandfather. Mm -hmm. from Which the, he had kept from them, yes. From the first marriage. So in his mind, he became the judge, jury, and executioner for the children that were 12 and 8 at the time because... Said that Jehovah would take care of them in the next life. Yeah. So... That's why, that was his explanation. That's th this crazy, psychotic person's explanation mm -hmm. for why he did some of the things he did that day. And uh, just a bad day for a and lot of people. He a lot ended of people. the note with, kill me if you can. Yes, if you, if you find, can, yeah, yeah I forget the exact words, but it, yeah, kill me if you can, because the implication being, I guess, I'm going to keep doing this until somebody stops me. Because yes. I don't care anymore. He, he's, he, 
there was some passage where he said his life had been over since October, and this happened in July, so several months earlier. And I'm curious about that. Did anybody find anything where the trigger point was October? Because no. in the note, it said October. Mm -hmm, yeah. And I didn't really think about it until I was in the car on the way over here, and I was hoping someone else had found that. No, then there, we didn't find anything on that. And it, and it really doesn't have to mean anything to anybody else but not. him. He's yeah. the one who's piecing all this together. Uh, he's planning this. This is obviously very planned out. Very. Um, he's, you know, all of this is rational to him, but not to anyone else. No right. one else can, can, you know, you think about killing the people who loaned you money. Um, I mean, you would rather just end their life mm -hmm. than owe them money. Yeah. But you're also blaming them for well, your demise. In, in his mind, well, it, he, it's irrational. In his completely mind, he irrational. felt wronged. Right, yep. he felt wrong because they loaned him money. Yeah, and he lost it day trading. Right, which is a very, his day fault. Trading back in the nineties was a tricky and thing. Instead of admitting, I messed up. I've done all this. I've created this environment. No, it's much easier to. It's got to be somebody else's fault because I can't deal with it otherwise. It's got to be. Um, you know, I am so great and wonderful and arrogant that you know my children can't live without me. Uh, so they must die. Exactly. And that's, that's what we talked about before the show. You, you've got some background on this guy. So open up his mind a little bit. Give us some insight into what it is about this guy that made him end up making these horrible decisions. If we need to get your laptop out of the floor, we can do that. Mark Barton was born on April the 2nd, 1955. He was the only child of Truman and Gladys Barton. And uh, Truman worked for the U.S. Air Force. They were stationed in Germany at the time because of the job. He lived in Europe for a lot of his childhood, but they eventually moved to Sumter, South Carolina. Barton was described as a child as intelligent but distant emotionally. He was a loner at school and was often left out by the other children. And a big guy, too. I mean, he was 6'4", 200 pounds, so that you, you would think that some football coach would approach this guy and say, hey, man, we need you on the offensive line. But for whatever reason, he wasn't inclined to. I had that no wasn't idea his inclination. He was that, that, that tall. He was six four, two hundred pounds. It could be as a teenager he began abusing hallucinogenic drugs. That might have so had something to do with it. Probably why he's not being approached by coaches. I mean, he has several psychotic breaks. He has to go to the hospital due to a lot of accidental overdoses. Now, if would the psychotic breaks have come had he not been abusing the hallucinogenic drugs? That's the question. If I could answer that, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be on this podcast here. I'd, I'd you still wouldn't be a doctor, though. I wouldn't be a doctor. Okay, but I would be, you know, somewhere very lavish. <laughs> <laughs> if I could answer that. So there's this question of: Was it the hallucinogenic drugs right. that started all of this, or was it the was that already there well, somewhere? And then you know. And there was, it's very difficult to say. You know, one of his inclinations was chemistry. He ended up getting a chemistry degree from the University of South Carolina in 1979. So I read somewhere he, that he well, made his own methamphetamine as a high school student, or he made his own hallucinogenic drugs as a high school student. He, he was at Clemson for a semester right. and then had to leave. He, was, he committed a robbery to pay for the drug abuse, but he also had a psychotic break, and so right. he, had to, he had to go... He had to go into away treatment. for a little while. Mm -hmm. and I then, mean, maybe not away, but he had and to And then he was able off. to finish at South Carolina. So there, I know there's been, we were going back and forth about this on whether he was, did he go to Clemson? Did he go to South Carolina? Right. He went to both. Yes. But he graduated from the University of South Carolina. But with that degree in chemistry, and that led him into one of his 
the early part of his professional career, right, was the was the chemistry acumen that he had. Okay, one of the first <laughs> jobs he had after he got out of college was he moved to Texas. Stacy, you stop me if I'm wrong because I see you with that look in your eyes as well as no, I can no, see without my glasses. What I had originally seen that it was Arkansas, but you and I spoke about it, and that it was actually in te- Texarkana. Yeah, there's Texas. one story that says Arkansas. There's one story that says Alabama. I think somebody saw Texarkana. And flipped that to and, Arkansas. And, and thought it was Arkansas. I thought that was, was the TLC company that he he was a he was a co establisher of he helped establish that company but two years later he's been fired from his job for lack of a better term and he's no longer there so help me understand this he starts a company he he's one of the men what who kind of company? company it's a chemical company okay. I don't know exactly how do you what get the, fired from your own company well the articles that I read there was some speculation maybe he was stealing chemicals to uh to promote his own drug habit or maybe he was making illegal illegal narcotics and selling them to other folks. All I can tell you for sure is what happened officially and legally, which is when they got rid of him, fired him. That was the official word. The company took less than 24 hours to decide not to press charges against him. And just, they settled it behind the scenes and let everything go. They said, cops don't hold him anymore. We're not going to press charges. He's out of here. Let him go home. Wow. I mean, it kind of makes you think maybe they, maybe they were all in on it. Maybe. On whatever illegal illegality yeah, was going was something on. Well, one, want. one theory I saw on that, well, there were actually two theories, that whatever he was uh, making or selling uh, was something that they wanted to hide. They, they didn't yes, want anyone for to whatever know reason, they that. wanted it hidden, too. If there's a court case, it's all going to come out. And then the second theory was that he had all of the uh, information that they needed yeah. and that if he was convicted, they would never get it back. Mm-hmm. But. Like secret formulas and things that were proprietary, maybe for that particular company sure that, that he had have, stolen. I don't think that I would have trusted the formulas that he gave back. Of course, at this time, they they don't know you know who they're dealing with. Well, and I read the same thing you did, and the first thing I thought was, why don't they have that somewhere else? Like Coca Cola, really? If the Coca Cola folks all died tomorrow, <laughs> that's all locked up in a vault somewhere. They can still make Coca Cola. So if you have a company that you want to make sure survives past a tragic event. Well, I mean, once you're, I mean, you're fresh and you're just working to survive and this guy knows Maybe. what he's doing and you're, hey. You he's think your he's guy. Here? Yeah, he's your guy. Right. Maybe so. Well, anyway, he turned out not to be the guy because two years later they had to fire his ass and then he had to move back to, uh, he moved back to Georgia eventually. He graduated the University of South Carolina in 1979. He moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where he met Deborah Spivey. So he had not met her until he was not already married. He moved to Atlanta right after graduating. So I don't know when, what I think they our met timeline in college, is. Right, they met in college. No, they, they met in Atlanta okay. almost immediately after he graduated. Mm-hmm. So they were married when he worked for the company Understood. TLC. Okay. So he, she, they met in Atlanta. They got married, and then she was with him when all this thing, when all, all these things this in Texas is happened. happening. Okay. Yes. So he and Deborah, over the course of this, they had, when they were living in Texas, they had two children, Matthew and Michelle. Michelle with a Y. Michelle with a Y. Y. Mm -hmm. So at this point, this is where he's going to become very paranoid and controlling over Deborah and their marriage is going to start experiencing a lot of downturn as a result probably if he's continuing to use these drugs 
that is definitely and that's one an assumption. Of, that's one of the side effects of using okay. hallucinogenics or using if you're making your own methamphetamine, you're using that. It's paranoia. Well, it's you're a the, side effect. You're the closest thing to a doctor at this table. So I am I'll take your Kelly, word for the it. not a doctor, but I do know that. <laughs> and so he's going to start, you know, having paranoia. It's going to affect his work. Then he's fired in 1990. Uh, he's going to have this furious outburst. That's going to lead to him sabotaging some files. Yeah, right? that's that's the break-in. And that's all of that that you were talking about. Right, right. So that's all of that. And then so it's after that that they move back to uh, Atlanta, and they have children at this point. Stacy, jump in at any time here. But I, I assume their marriage is obviously it's starting to fall apart. Yes. So. Well, it was just outside of Atlanta. It was Lithia Springs. Okay. That, that's. Yes. That, I was going to let you lead into what happened. And well, you assume that I well, read the part about Lithia Springs, and they I moved did not, back. So. <laughs> they moved back to Atlanta, fault. and he gets a new job. It's basically, yes. Atlanta. And there's a cute receptionist at this new job. <gasps> What's her name? There's wife number two. <laughs> and so her so. name is Leanne Lang. Right. And she's she's a young person. Uh, she is several young, years younger than him at the time. Who he claims um, had an affinity for older men, mm-hmm. and she was married as well, but. She claims at the time that her marriage was on the rocks. They weren't doing so great, so they started hanging out more and more. Went on a trip to Charlotte, North Carolina together. I remember that part. And that was in June of 1993. Okay. Okay, so I, as the person here who knows more about his backstory and least about, you know, I know about him growing up. That, right. that was my job, right? To know yes. about that. Yeah, we okay. split this up. All right, expertly. so let me let me get this straight just right. for our listeners. Okay. We we have agreed we have multiple now. Mm. Two to four. It's going to be five this like week. Five, yeah. really? Jana Chestnut texted me today and said <gasps> she listens to the show, so now we're up to five. Welcome, Thank Jana. Thank you, Jana. Hi, Welcome. Jana. Okay, so <laughs> let me just get this straight for our handful of listeners. We have <laughs> We have Mark Barton who graduates from the University of South Carolina, he meets his wife mm. in Atlanta not long after he graduates. Her name is Deborah Spivey. Correct. Yeah, we should have mentioned they that already. They move to Texas right. where he starts a company, a chemical company. Yes. They have two children while they're there. The marriage begins to turn rocky. He's getting very paranoid and controlling. And don't forget, he gets fired. And then he gets fired from his job. Yeah. And they, do, they decide not to press charges for whatever for reason. For whatever reason. A lot of speculation. Yes. That it could have been, you know, some shady stuff. But then they move back to Lithia Springs. The Atlanta area. Which is near Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He gets another job. Where is this other job? There, there's one explanation that I saw for what the job was that he created when he came back to Atlanta, and it was in a deposition that he gave in 1995, but he described the job as, quote, a paper route, which means that it, was, it wasn't... Oh, yes, I did say this. It, it was, he didn't really go into details about what it was, but he did come back and start up a, another chemical-related business. Okay, so he's at, at that job right now. Yes. And while he's in there, yes. he meets... A secretary named Leanne. The person he's that still, Katie mentioned. He's still married yes. to Deborah. Unhappily. Unhappily married to Deborah with mm. the two children. And Leanne is he unhappily married to her husband. Leanne, who is unhappily married to her husband, mm. and they decide to get together. 
Am that I is am I right so far? This affair starts in May of '93. By June of '93, they are already taking out of town trips together. Mm-hmm. And that's he what the Charlotte is still that's right. married to Deborah. Very married. And from what I can gather, Deborah seems to know about this, but is not. Yes, it says anything. that he started. He got a new. He got new clothes. He started going to oh, the tanning bed to the get a tanning tan. bed. Yes. And Ooh. that's when she knew. She said. She said, uh-uh, he's found Tana someone. Bed? No. Yeah. He's getting a tan. Go into the gym. Go into the, the gym. gym. And it's, it's a trifecta. It's New clothes, tanning bed. It's a standard dead giveaway, right? If I you mean, could have added 10 years, he would have been getting his teeth whitened as well. Yeah. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. Shane Givens won't even get out from under the umbrella at the pool. So if you got a tan, <laughs> I would be like, oh, <laughs> Busted. <laughs> So she knows about this, and she's not pressing the issue. That's it's for what it's what, what I can I gather. That's is what that I what everybody's gathered? Yes. Yeah, she knew, but she's probably like, "Phew, good." Yeah, wanted to get away from him, but yeah, go prob- well, go find probably something else. He would leave her, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I now I'm clear okay. as to where we are. All right. So somebody mm-hmm. finish the story. What, what's what's going to happen next? I'm on. I'm just, I'm trying to well, get it together. I think my question is, all of, all of this has happened in Atlanta, or the uh, area around Atlanta. It, yes. We made it out to Texas a little bit. What does this have to do with Alabama and yeah, our we've, area? We've been all around Alabama, and we've our been hook, everywhere. our hook is, we are staying within the state of Alabama. The only rusty hook that this show has in it its quiver of tools Alabama. is that there's a local connection, and there is a local connection. There's we a might, local connection to Mark Barton. We mentioned the day just trader. A, yes, we mentioned just a bit ago. I did inadvertently, and Katie gave me those evil eyes like she does sometimes when I get ahead of myself. Be like careful. She's doing right now. Be careful. Um, there is a local connection because Mark Barton had a first wife, Deborah Spivey. Deborah Spivey, the, whose name you mentioned, who is she, the mother of the two children. Of the two children. So the reason that's important is because. Six years before the things happened in Atlanta that we have been talking about so far, there was an event that happened right here in Cherokee County, Alabama, where we live. We live on beautiful Weiss Lake. It's a it's a 30,000-acre lake in northeast Alabama. We talk about it every week where we're kind of in that triangle between uh, Alab- uh, Atlanta and Chattanooga and Birmingham. It's a little resort community that a lot of people haven't found yet, but Mark Barton's wife and her mother we're here that weekend for Labor Day, and it was 1993. It was September the 3rd, 4th, and 5th, I think, was Labor Day weekend, and it's a little campground. It's not actually small. It's a, one of the bigger campgrounds in Cherokee County called Riverside Campground, and what they did at Riverside was they had a, uh, usually on uh, Labor Day weekend, they had a, a band. There would be a crawfish boil, and the reason I know that is because at the time, I had just graduated from college, and I was home that weekend, and my parents lived in a house right across a small cove from Riverside Campground, Anytime there was a band playing, anytime there was live music or fireworks or anything, we could hear it off the back porch. And one weekend, I was home for Labor Day, and I drove by the entrance to Riverside Campground, and the big, huge, white, double-axled satellite truck for the NBC affiliate out of Birmingham, WVTM, was driving around the neighborhood trying to find Riverside Campground because some news had broken, and I didn't yet know what it was. Don't you still live right past Riverside Campground? I wasn't going to tell everybody that, Katie, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Weiss Lake is very familiar to our special guest this week, Stacy. Oh, yeah. Stacy. She should have drowned years ago, and she's still here with us today, so I consider <laughs> that a you, miracle in and of itself. Were you working this weekend? 
not with uh, the Marine Patrol. All right, now it's time for a 15-second backstory. Tell us why you're here. I was actually, I was only like a month out of the police academy. I graduated uh, July 30th, 1993. Okay. And so I'm working for Center PD, uh, but I was... And center I, I, for those was, center is the is the uh, largest municipality in Cherokee County. It is the county seat. It's about ten minutes away from Riverside Campground. Yes. Okay, but I was never at this scene, so so I was okay. it was not a part of my jurisdiction. So and, you're just as much an expert as we are on this. Well, <laughs> my age and so, memory might be. Let me reintroduce <laughs> Stacy Smith. Not helpful. an FBI agent. Not, no, not an FBI no, agent. No, they, they, they didn't fly me in on a helicopter and say, we have the person who will solve this crime coming in right now. Move out of the way. But you're very people. familiar with this area. You know this area, this lake, yes, yes. all of this. I do, I do know this. And uh, one of the articles that, that I read, and it was, a, uh, it was a national article, there were a lot of things said that had me confused. One of the investigators from Douglas County, Georgia, he was a captain, he, his last name was Wynn. Well, also at the same time, our sheriff was Roy Wynn. Roy Wynn was the so sheriff then. The first half of this article, I'm confused. Okay. I think that it's the sheriff speaking. And then I go, wait a minute. There's no way he would be saying these things. So I go back and I realize, okay, Wynn, it's not that, you know, it's a, it's a common name. No, big, no, no problem. So tell us, in 1993, on Labor Day weekend, on Weiss Lake here in Cherokee County, Alabama, why is it important to talk about Deborah Spivey and her mother? Eloise Spivey was, yes. her, was her mother. Uh, the two of them, just the two of them, had left Georgia, and they, they were staying at a camper at Riverside. And they had left on Friday. I'm not sure what day they were supposed to return. But... From what I can put together, again, some of the information is conflicting. They had not been heard from since Friday. In so, too long an amount of time. And Bill Spivey, Eloise's husband, so it's his wife and his daughter. Right. That, so he calls, I'm assuming, the sheriff's department. We didn't even have enhanced 911 in uh, 1993. And we no didn't cell have cell phones. No right? cell phones. We which, had pay phones. Which means somebody had, had to phones. call information and say, Cherokee County, Alabama Sheriff's Department, yes. get me the main number. You would have to call 411. Okay. Right. Uh, no one knows what that is. Today. I do. Katie <laughs> does it. Katie been, does 411 yeah. has been replaced by Google. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is correct. That's how you would find that today. So they go, they do what they call a welfare check. I'm sure they thought there was nothing wrong, but they knocked on the door repeatedly and finally, you know, had to... Get through the door, and then they find... Uh, they find a crime scene. They find a, a, a brutal crime scene, is my understanding. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe that a weapon was ever found, but... That's correct. Uh, axe was possible. A or, sharp, heavy object was the way I yeah. saw it described most often. They were yeah, The two of them are like, bludgeoned to death. is an axe. <laughs> and and the, the daughter more much more uh, horribly than the mother. Than the mother, As yes. if there was anger involved. Yes. So, Mark Martin's wife... At the time, yeah, much worse. Okay, so there was at least one gun there, not stolen. There was, I've heard anywhere from three to $600 in cash. I heard six. Six, okay. So any attempt to make it look like a crime scene or, or a burglary was a failure because there was, there was a gun left on the counter or in, in, in 
the mother's purse. I think the money and was in money. the mother's purse, okay. and I think the gun was on the counter. Okay. No other trailers were hit. And you remember the other very suspicious thing? There was someone had vomited yes. in the toilet on, and onto the floor, as if the adrenaline from committing two murders had been too much for them to take emotionally I or saw physically. That, I, well, I heard that on one podcast. I never actually saw that in another article. Yeah, same here. But it seems familiar, but I wouldn't swear on the stand to it. I'm not sure that you could isolate DNA from vomit yeah, in 93. I don't, I don't know about that. It was, I graduated from college in 91, and it was still very new. Today, you can isolate DNA with just a skin cell. Right. I mean, it's nothing. Uh, it, it has replaced fingerprints as the most accurate. So, that's just, but that's not what we had in 1993. It, it was the early stages of DNA technology, and there was still a lot that they didn't know, and a lot of technology that, that exists now that did not exist then. It yes. would have allowed the same the same material to be uh, used in a laboratory or looked at in a laboratory in a way that it, that it was not available then. Yes, and I, I'm sure that we had Alabama Bureau of Investigations here. We had um, the local uh, investigators with the sheriff's department, mm-hmm. uh, other state investigators, district attorneys, investigators. I knew most of these people at the time. Right. Lazy is not the word I would use to describe. No, any of absolutely people. not. They wanted to solve this as much as anyone. Nobody wants a murder. But you've got a situation of a man oh, who yeah. has an education, and he obviously knew enough about the law. Uh, he, he refused to take a polygraph I test. felt the okay, same so way. Let me, let me just back up just a minute. So we have the crime. We, have, we found these two women bludgeoned to death with some sort of sharp weapon, like an axe-type um, weapon. And the, the daughter or the wife of Mark Barton more brutally than the mother-in-law. Based on what so I read, yes. So they are going to figure out this uh, woman has a husband, and we are very interested in talking with him. That is correct. I mean, I, I would assume that any time a, a wife, especially an estranged wife, a wife who's in the process of getting a divorce— uh, so as they're learning this, they're saying, we dead. wanna we're very Let's interested. Find out where that husband is. We're gonna we're very interested in talking with him. So they bring him in and talk with him. And that's what you're talking about, Stacey, as far as he's how does he act as far as when they're interviewing him? Well, I think immediately the first thing they do is they go to his house and they look for evidence. Well, there's the problem. He lives in Georgia yes, and we're so, in Alabama. So Cherokee County did not go. So this is where your frustration is because an Alabama detective cannot just go tear assing over into Georgia and start snatching things she out. She told me she tear was going to say. She told me earlier today she was going to get tear assing in it. Ladies point today, and, and gentlemen, she just did it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in right. the South yes, and we, we just are. use tear assing. What does that mean for our? If we were to ever get a listener. Who's not from the who's, South? Yeah, who I'm doesn't not sure know. how to de- define it. I know what it is. Terracing I, up yeah. in somewhere. Sirens and they go blowing into Georgia. I mean, they, just I'm, like. I'm taking all of this out of your garage, your car, your yeah. vehicle. I mean, not your vehicle. I already said vehicle, but house or place of business. I'm taking it all. So I'm just you, busting up in there. You can I mean, do it, that's, but that, the judge is immediately going to say it's out. So you're, you're going so to ruin your case. Yes. If you're from Cherokee County, and you go terracing to Atlanta. Wow, we've said it again. And you are busting in this guy's house. You've ruined the case. Yes. Okay. You, you will have nothing. You'll have to have a warrant. Again, you're dealing with a holiday weekend. So who's available 
for There's the no one in the office well, on the state level. Now, and, and outside a, of that, you can get you, you can get a warrant, but you've got to work with the other agency. Well, Stacey, let me ask you, just because you're in law enforcement, and I'm curious, is it if it's a potential murder case, it, do you tiptoe even more gently than you might otherwise? Because you only get one shot at convicting someone of murder, right? Because yes, double yeah. jeopardy exists. If, if they get it wrong the first time and the guy gets off, he's acquitted. And then five years later, DNA evidence advances to, or DNA technology advances to the point where you can confirm that he was there. Yes, you get you get one you're bite out of, of the apple. I could murder Kelly. It could happen. Go on, I'm listening. <laughs> With Scott, <laughs> I get arrested. They put me, they put me on trial. I'm found not guilty. Right. I can literally walk out on the courtroom steps and say, "Oh, boo on you! I got away with it. Mm-hmm. I did it." Right. Ha ha. Now, civilly, they can. You know, so you sure but they can't do. Yeah, you're gonna lose thing. your house, but you don't have to go to jail or to the electric chair. That's right, right. And I so. think we still had the electric chair in '93. I'm just, I don't like this conversation. You know, yeah, just gonna we, say there was some talk about murdering you last week, if I remember. I, uh, that's two weeks in a row. I I'm, think maybe it's some subliminal message. I'm gonna start sleeping with one eye open. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a good idea. Apparently, uh, my only friend in this room is Katie and maybe a couple of our Stick listeners. Around. Jana, are you still there? Uh, I think Jana's calling 911 right now. Somebody go get Kelly out of that studio. It's too late. We recorded this a week ago, Jana. She's been missing ever since. Maybe too Jake late. will help. We heard Jake Graves is out there listening. That's oh, true. yeah. Jake yeah. loves me. Oh, you know, he's not going to help. Now that we. <laughs> that, yeah. No, he'll just call and have somebody else go in his stead. Eh, I'm not going to do it. All right, we're probably going to have to cut all that out. Okay. So, we, <laughs> <laughs> so they bring in Mark Barton, and they, who brings him in? How do we get him in? Who tear asses over there and gets him and takes him somewhere? Yep. Let's okay. commit to the tear Now, I, I will have to say, this CNN article gave me most of the information uh, that I'm, I'm going off of. Apparently, he came over on his own. At one point, he did. He did. And... It says that Alabama investigators took the floor mats out of his car and then told him not to clean the car. So I'm not sure if, if we had a warrant problem then or not. Well, I, yeah, I think he said that they could test his car because they did a luminol test in his car. They did a luminol test in Georgia. According to this, mm-hmm. the Captain Wynn from Douglas County. And, and his chemist self claimed to not know what luminol, luminol was. And for the uninitiated, luminol is a chemical that makes blood splatter glow in the dark. Yes. Right? So it, did they did they find it. Okay, when they did they find any blood in his Seat car? Seat belt, door, ignition, steering wheel, found blood everywhere. Everything he touched. He refused to give a DNA sample. And again, this is the this is the infancy of DNA technology. And I don't know if maybe the laws have changed since, where if you're a suspect in a crime, it's required that you provide a DNA sample. No, but back then, no, not without a warrant. Okay, well, same case then, <laughs> because he did. Thank you, Katie. Katie is thank a lawyer. You. Katie, <laughs> thank She's you. Not a lawyer. Not a lawyer. But not she a lawyer. She's the closest we have, and I'll take her answer at at, at its worth. But apparently, it, it was almost like in several uh, several of the stories that I read, it's almost like he's flaunting. Like Stacy said, he knows enough about it to know what he can say and what he can't say, what he can get away with, what he... Sure, I'll give you the floor mats, but I'm not going to give you a DNA sample, so you don't know if it's mine or not, so well, he blow claimed, your brains out. Uh, once they did the luminol test and determined... Now, I did see or read something about the soda 
that he had spilled soda. Yeah, he had an accident. Yeah, um, that's he, he just managed to spill it on the ignition switch and on the gear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what an explosion and at one that must point, have been. He says that he's picking acne off of his leg. Oh God, I wish you hadn't reminded me. And about I'm that. like, and I that's why it's I his would, blood yeah. instead of someone else's blood, right? Yeah, that, that's or at least why his he story. Has okay, his wait, 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 wait. And he wait, cut wait, his cut his finger. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're gonna rewind. Did you say? Yes. He is saying he has blood in his car because he has. Leg acne <laughs> that he picks at. Yes, I and would sooner admit to double murder. Yeah, than that I have leg acne that I regularly pick upon as I, I drive. And Kelly was worried about doing this show live because of some of the uh, del- it, the delicate nature of the of the crime itself. But yes. I think that's as gross to me as anything. <laughs> yeah. That that you he is. You're disgusting. Not, That's disgusting. He's in his late thirties. What is he leg doing? acne? Yeah. yeah, you've got insurance. Go get a I mean, doctor. Go to a dermatologist. Wouldn't the tanning bed help clear up acne? Oh, there we go. And mic drop. He was going to that tanning bed. <laughs> it was not clearing up that acne. He was picking at it. Uh, but I assume our investigators just at the time didn't know anything about the going to the tanning bed would clear up your <laughs> lacne. Can we call it lacne? Is that what Ooh. we're going to call it? Yeah, Did you just cram leg and acne Le- together? Leg acne. Oh, boy. This lacne. show's going That's off That's the title the of this episode. Lacne. Lacne. Right. Right. There we go. Uh, right here? <laughs> I don't know about that. Let's, let's, we could do better than that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. So yes. he's explaining away every little bit of, of blood yes. in his car. Okay, continue. Almost in a nonchalant, flippant, I, I know how to beat this rap sort of fashion. Yes. And the captain, sorry, I hit the microphone. Uh, it's bound to happen sooner the, or later. The captain from Douglas County said that, you know, he attended the funeral. And he ended up having an interview with Mark Barton. And every time he would ask a question, Mark Barton would come back with 20 questions of his own. I read that. Yeah. And Answers so that's just question, yeah. To, yeah to and you're defer. talking about his wife's funeral. Uh yes, uh, Deborah's funeral. Okay, so he's at his wife's funeral. They're asking him questions and then he's coming no, back. No, not at more. the funeral. Just after. The day yeah. after, yeah. Okay. Uh, he 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 says that he tried to stare him down, tried to intimidate him, but that Barton would just look away. Okay. Uh, he 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 said that he was more fearful than uh full of grief. He was fearful being uh, found out. Yes. Not remorseful. No remorse. Just fearful. I mean, that's, I read the same thing Stacy did, and it just seems like his number one concern was, let me not do something stupid and talk myself into a corner and, and, again, you've and got be implicated in this. Jurisdictions. Right. And so Georgia knows this, and Alabama knows that. And did, 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 did law enforcement agencies that far apart, did they, was there even a good way for them to work? together well back yeah, then were, i mean you had a phone call right i mean that was it you didn't have the internet you didn't have cell phones you didn't have a, there was not a lot of internet technology that allowed you to share things and if it was it was also in its infancy so it, it wasn't like it is now where people can do zoom calls and talk on the internet and and share things oh yeah, and you, it was different even prior to 9-11 which this was uh, we have a little more centralized way of processing and, and, and going online and, and finding out certain things, but you still have a jurisdictional problem because each state okay. is considered their own independent. Uh, but either way, with everything they had, if you want to play defense attorney, 
the claims of he did not take a polygraph test. Mm-hmm. Well, even if he had, that's not going into court. Maybe the smartest decision he made was not take a polygraph, but you're right, it wouldn't be admissible in court and anyway. And the fact that he didn't take it right. or refused to take it, that's not admissible in court. That, um, that's one of those situations of the polygraph where you just, you're not going to win either way, whether you refuse to take it or you take it and say you pass or it's inconclusive, or it, I just feel like you're never going to win. Most true crime the people polygraph. Think you, don't, if you, you don't take a polygraph no matter what. I think if you do pass, it can be admissible. If okay. the defense attorney, oh, we may have to call Shane. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, we may have to call the person who's actually a lawyer that we know. <laughs> yes. But I think, oh, it's why lot, not? I think it's a lot like, uh, you know, Bear Bryant once said this about the forward pass. Three things can happen when you throw the ball, and two of them are bad. Yes. And so I think a polygraph is similar in many respects, but the only way that it's good for you is if you know you're going to pass it, and I'm guessing Mark Barton knew he wasn't going to pass that we, polygraph. We knew you'd get a Bear Bryant quote in there sometime. I'm done now. That's the only one I have to get in all year. <laughs> Season 2.0 coming up. But there were a lot of th- – they would have never been able to get a conviction. I mean, right. it would have been simple. Uh, another argument was – in the 93 murders, that he was in Georgia, in Lithia Springs, and that he was with his kids. And, again, Captain Wynn in Georgia said, well, he could not prove that he was there with his kids. Right. I got news for you. You don't have to prove anything. Yeah, uh, you have not, to prove not, that he wasn't. We couldn't <clears throat> prove he was in Cherokee County, Alabama, commit murders. Yes. <laughs> so it's not his job. The defense does not have to prove anything in well, court. And I hope that I'm not saying this out out of in the wrong place but i've always been curious about this you know he was already dating his eventual second wife at that point and i read one story where she vouched for him and said oh no he was with me and i've always been curious about the fact or uh, the question did she ever think that he did it because she married him anyway and her sister thought that he was capable of killing her and she turned out to be right about that i always wondered if leanne was just oblivious oblivious to the fact that he had the potential to be a murderer or if she knew something that no one ever knew that she knew well and no one i've never read anything about that that we'll never know well yeah and i read about where captain Wynn was speaking and after the fact you know the georgia officials just feel like alabama should have tried and convicted him on this case and nothing would have ever happened in 1999 he says you know but they were, Katie, they were only feeling this way after, after the, the shooting fact, yes. in yes. 1999. So now they're feeling the pressure. You can understand that. You're feeling the pressure. All of these people are murdered on your watch now. Yeah. And then there's also ties to you back to 1993 when you could have gotten this guy the first time. But really, I think we've answered that question. You really didn't have anything to get this guy I don't in think 1993. Had enough. Right, Stacey? You had enough to say, oh, I think he did it. I mean, I believed all of those years that he did. And then when the shooting happened in 99, mm. it really it solidified blows, it. It really blows up. And then I well, okay, I guess he did. Well, and the, the, when the, the Associated Press story that I read about, uh, there was an interview with Richard Igo, who has featured in another story that we did about uh, Judith Ann Neely, because he was the district attorney for mm-hmm. District 9 in 82, and he still was in 99, or 93, 93 rather, yeah. uh, when this happened at Riverside Campground. And he always said, or he said in the story, we always thought that he was our number one suspect, and we still think he's our number one suspect. They just didn't have enough evidence to haul him into jail and, and try and attempt to convict him. Right. Today, you would have had enough. Sure. Uh, the vomit, the, the, the blood, the leg acne, the mm. whatever, 
all of that you had, you would have had enough mm-hmm. to, I think, convict And him probably today. some GPS information in the car he would have been driving if it was today. Oh, yeah, cell phones and all that. Time. You know, not to mention cell phones, a GPS in your car. I mean, if he's got one of those uh, Navstar buttons, they know where you are all the time. Now, we've skipped over Uh-oh. motive. Why did he want to kill his For the wife? first murders? For the first it, murders. Assume, the uh, alleged the first alleged first murders. Uh, I think it was because he wanted to be with his girlfriend. Exactly. Money. But insurance. Yes. Yeah, he took out an insurance policy uh, for $600,000, oh. which was the most he could afford at the time. He wanted a million. He applied for a million-dollar policy He could on, on Deborah. Right. He could not afford the premiums on a million dollars. The most he could afford was a $600,000 policy. He took this out in May. And the murders happened. And then and the murders happened in September. Yes. Wow. And Katie mentioned earlier that he went. He took a trip with Leanne to North Carolina. Same month. And or a he, month after. And he mentioned uh, the story that I read. He mentioned to to the to the friends of hers that they had dinner with one night. We'll be married by October. We'll yes. be together by October. We will be free to marry by October first. October is a is a very uh, specific month for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he mentioned October in the letter. Well, I don't know if maybe he meant October was. If, if it was this October that led to his whole demise, because he says Leanne. Oh, you know what? I never thought about that. Oh, that yeah. is October. Good. That's the second time we've heard October. And in the letters, he states, if we go back to the note he left at the crime scene of his second wife, mm-hmm. he states he still denies killing his first wife and her mother. He did. That is the last thing he said. One of the last things he, he said, ever Yeah, he wrote. said he had no reason to lie anymore because he was going to be but dead. I don't believe I don't believe him I don't know if anybody else does so the question is why would you own up to all of this other maybe maybe he maybe he was struggling with that the the murder of his first wife I mean, he wasn't and struggling with it he was trying to cause a little more pain to Bill Spivey I think you're right I think that was his last Boom, shot out Stacey. the door I love it I think you're right I think it was his last shot out the door because they'd become estranged since the murders of of Bill Spivey's wife and daughter. And so he's killed his he wife, hadn't seen his the, daughter, and now his two grandchildren. He hadn't seen the grandkids since that years. happened. Yes. It was, I think it was one last kick in the balls to my father-in-law that I hate right before I blow my brains out. I'm not sure how you, you're going to believe anyone who takes a hammer to his two children. Yeah. Um, exactly. So I, yeah. I just would put a lot of stock in what he put in that note. But it, there's certainly a pattern of... Uh, irrational, psychotic behavior that makes me doubt, especially the similarities between the two cases themselves, or the two crime scenes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of the same. And so he puts in the note, I know this looks similar. Yeah, I, I know, guys. I know what you're thinking. I know it looks the same, but it wasn't me, I swear. And ironically, that life insurance money had to go to court because he was a suspect in the murder. So the life insurance company did not want to pay out. It mm-hmm. had to go to court. They actually only ended up settling to pay him $450,000 because they figured if they went to trial that a jury would be sympathetic to the children and want the children to have that money. So they said, well, you know, if you'll settle for 450000 we won't take you all the way to court. And some of it was put in a trust for 150000 was put in a trust for the kids. And that other... That would have gotten them through that, college. That other 300000 is what he started day trading with. Mm, and that's why he got into day trading. He ran through all of that. Yes. So did he get much. the money? Was he going to get the money if, he, if the kids were dead? Did he get their money that was in the trust? I or that too. No, he, he only had a couple... No. Yeah, no. There he, was, he, he, was, he was past worrying about that. He just wanted to... He, was, he didn't want to leave a trail that his children... He didn't want his children to find out what a horrible person he was when they grew up and became adults, because certainly they would have. 
And so I think in his mind, and maybe we already talked about this, I've got to kill my second wife and I've got to kill my children because however it mentions it in the note, I think that's what he's implying. They can't possibly live after I have done this horrible thing that I'm going to do and I've already decided I'm going to do it. And there, do we really think that he cared about his children or no. do we think he I just think he thought... he cared about himself. He's, he's narcissistic. Right. Do we think he killed them because they can't possibly live without me? Exactly. It's I, not yes. to help them, their shame, their this, their that... He obviously doesn't care if he's yeah. going to bludgeon them to death with a hammer. He thinks he's doing them a favor. Because he's not going to be around. And why in the world would they want to live in a world without him? And they're certainly not going to go live with my ex-father-in-law, who I despise. Which, at that point, Which he, he should would, have only have. been in his 60s. Because there was something in, in the note that they would have no family. And I'm like, that's not true. They have a grandfather. Not, who would still- not to Mark Barton, they didn't. Yeah, he didn't he, he, he'd, he'd sent him on his way six years before, and you know they'd become estranged and never spoken again. So as far as he was concerned, that man was no longer a member of his family. And I'm just speculating, but yes, that that I, I read that too, Stacey, and I thought, really, no family left? Yeah, there's a grandfather. And I thought, oh, no, never mind. There's not in your mind, Mark Barton, you crazy bastard, because <laughs> because you you signed you, you you gave him away six years ago. He's not your, he's not with you anymore. You don't care about him, and you don't want him around your children. This this Mark Barton is definitely the the hardest person to sympathize with that we have covered. I, I don't I, think anybody here zero percent. I don't. I think we're I think me. we're zero for four in this room yeah. that has sympathy for him. A household name. I mean, I know Judith Ann Neely. I don't know her, but I know right. the name. Yeah. I I don't understand why. There's a lot of people. It was a that were was, taken down in Atlanta that day. It was a big case, and Atlanta had a rough year that year with shootings. And uh, you know, Columbine was earlier in the year, like I already mentioned. It was it was a I, I'm surprised as well, and especially the part of the of the case, the crimes that took place here in Cherokee County. It, I can't believe that this happened the same year as Columbine, and then the rest of this happened in Cherokee County. Columbine was never, April twentieth. I had never yes. heard of this, and this was July the 29th of nineteen. And Columbine was the in my mind, was one of the first that yeah. really got everyone's attention. That just shook you awake and went, hey, this is happening. And at the time... They, Too often. They thought that they had active shooters, and so they would wait and wait and wait. And that's what they did here, too. Now... That is exactly what they did here, too. They, walked, the they went door-to-door is, with SWAT teams. I mean, it was... There was a... I read part of this. Uh, you know, th- these two crime scenes in Atlanta in 1999 happened across the street from each other. So... The first calls start to come in from the first building for Momentum Securities, and then he goes across the street to Alltech or whatever the other Alltech, and commits crimes there. And when they start calling, they they share the same street, so the nine one one operators dismiss the second round of phone calls, but the, because they think they've already sent the appropriate number of authorities to this first crime scene, it's two hours. One of the guys who gets shot in the second building lays on the floor and almost bleeds to death because it's two hours before anybody finds him. Because of all the confusion about exactly what's going on. And I don't blame the authorities for that. It just who thinks there are two crime scenes adjacent to each other across the same, you know, six lane highway. Right. No, that was there was no one's fault on it. It no. that was just the way that it was done at the yeah. time. You waited to uh, determine what was going on. Right. Now it's 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 very different. If you have an active shooter, you law enforcement will go ahead and immediately engage. Mostly because of Columbine. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's what I was gonna ask you. Is it because of Columbine that we sort of changed the way that we do things. Yes, because you had both shooters were dead for hours. And Before they even bro- uh, breached the building. Yes. Yeah. Again, that was the way you did things then. That has completely changed now. They go ahead and, and go 
straight in and, and you know, find out what's going on. But, you know, everything evolves. Yeah, I think, and yeah. that, that's the problem a lot of times with law enforcement. You're having to evolve with, with the crimes, and it, you're, you're having to be reactive. It's very difficult to be proactive on a lot of things. I mean, because you have, you have to change it up. Yes. Reactive, well, again, 99, th- this was not something we were used to. Columbine shocked the world. If we went home today and watched, you know, the news and we saw that there was a mass shooting somewhere, we would go, mm. But it's, yeah. in 99, it Sadly, was you're right. different. You're right. And so, you know, they just had to change the rules on it. But... It, but it was still under that during this time in 99 when Barton went in and to do two different places, like Scott said, it, it, there was confusion. Yeah, it just, it didn't, it, it didn't jive with anyone back then. And, you know, there was no cell phones. There was no, uh, the, the most, the, the best technology that the Atlanta Police Department had in 1999 was three helicopters in the sky trying to find the guy. Because you guys remember growing up, I mean, uh, OJ and the Bronco, and mm-hmm. if you watched CNN and Fox and all those channels back in the mid to late 90s, anytime there was a car chase, that everything stopped. And yeah. they showed the car chase with the helicopters flying overhead. And that's what happened. I don't know if that was a national story in Atlanta when, when the Barton car chase ensued, or even if they weren't chasing him actively down the interstate. They were looking for what they knew was his car because of his license plate. Someone had seen his license plate and knew that it was a dark green minivan. He drove, yeah, a very recognizable car. So they were looking for him with helicopters, but that was about as far as we could go back then. The world has changed a lot since 1999. True. Especially technology. I never see a car chase on television anymore. I mean, I don't know. It used to be all the time. Yeah. I don't know how much you guys want me to go into this day trading stuff. From 1995 to 1999, the NASDAQ went up 400%. It 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 became a situation where uh, from 1990, in 1990, 15% of homes had a computer, had a home computer. By 1997, 35% of homes had a home computer. But a lot of them weren't connected to the internet. So the internet came along in the years in 97, 98, 99, because the, law, the, the government changed the laws to make it uh, more palatable for businesses. They changed the tax laws, and they created the Telecommunications Act of 1996, which encouraged companies to lay fiber optic cable and build wireless networks. And the, reason, the way that they raised money to do that was they, they made initial public offerings, IPOs on the stock market, so that they could generate capital from investors and they could take the money that they earned from those investors and go out and build these high-speed networks. But they built so fast and so, so far ahead of what was needed in the country at the time that you had the dot-com bubble and a lot of these corporations crashed that hadn't happened yet in 99 that happened in 2000 from 2000 to 2002 was the 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 internet dot-com bubble that burst Mm. but back then people like mark barton were going to these uh it was basically an internet cafe they had a row of computers connected to the internet so you could you could talk to wall street on your computer and you could buy a hundred shares of a stock that cost a hundred dollars a piece and you hang on to it for a couple of days and if it goes up to 102 dollars a share and you've spent 20 grand on this. Well, heck you've made $4,000 or $400 or I'm not doing the math right, but that's what these guys did. They were clients of these organizations that went in and used their computers, used the money that they had on file, so to speak, because you know, we've all talked about how Mark Martin had to have 50 grand in the bank and able to go into these places 
or in his account rather, to go into these places yeah, and use their yeah, computer. There's still a minimum to day sure. trade. I mean, you know, you have to have. And and I've never done it. I'm not that familiar with it. But I, you know, it's you're trying to make money fast. You're gambling, but with your own money. And that was what was going on in this country at the time. The internet bubble hadn't burst yet, and companies like uh, Pets.com and WorldCom and Cisco and Qualcomm and even Amazon. Amazon almost didn't make it through the dot com bubble, but they had enough money in the bank that they did. Uh, but that's what was going on. That's how, and it just became the technology changed so much. And we talked about the DNA earlier, but the internet was the same way. I mean, this was the ground. This was the basement years of the internet. And he was just one of those guys who uh, quit his other jobs and had that windfall from the life insurance policy and decided he was going to make a career as a day trader. And when it went south, so did he, and so did a lot of other people. Unfortunately, on this particular fateful day, Mark Barton took his own life. Was it this day or was it a couple yeah, of days no, later? No, no, no. It was, that, it was that same afternoon. And he, he, he took his own life. Yeah. And we don't have a, we don't have a trial to talk about. We don't have anything. He, that was it. Yeah, that was it. And, and I would like, this is one thing I would like for us to do when we do the show notes uh, on the, on the website, let's list the, the victims of this crime because we didn't read off their names. And some of them, I'm not sure that I could pronounce uh, some of them are from other parts of the world who were day traders that day in those we're two. We're just minding their own business. Just doing their I've job. Got to just, learn how to do show notes. Yeah. Uh, we'll we're going to learn how to do show notes, and we're going to put these names up there because, uh, you know, that's we always it's talk important. about this. Yes, that we, it's important. Yeah, we don't want to highlight the, the criminal. We want to honor the victims. Exactly. All right. Uh, thank you guys for joining us today with True Crime on Easy Street. Stacy. Thank you for joining Stacey us. We're so Smith happy to have you. Yeah. Right. We for loved being with it. Us. <laughs> we loved it. All right. So you can follow us on all of the social media. We're on all of it, I'm told by Katie. Um, go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five star rating. You can also leave a comment, but the comment really doesn't matter. What matters is the star rating. So give us a five-star rating. And you can follow me from home since Katie's mentioned where I live now. So <laughs> thanks, everybody. Hey, everyone steps in my office and is like, I know where you live. So I, I give a little taste to you, Scott. Yes. Like, rate, subscribe, leave us a review, come see us live a week from this coming Wednesday. So... That'll be Wednesday the 26th. We'll be live again. So live on Easy Street at the Easy Street Restaurant Bar Performance Hall. You always almost forget Performance Hall. Every time. You remember it at the last second. It'll be a new show. It'll be a new show next week, Jake Graves. You don't have to get on us. Yeah, we, have, heard we it before. have we have heard the feedback and we have listened. Do you really think Jake Graves stuck around to listen to the end of the show? We, I don't. We will. He we will have a listen. new show. He hey. fell asleep thirty minutes ago. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Good night. Thank you so much. Bye. Long time.